Welcome into another edition of Jungle Juice here. Sam Gormley and Mick Nelson with you. Mick, how you doing? Welcome into another edition of the show. And it's uh, it's another uh, beautiful day in paradise here. It's a uh, it's a very cool like ninety five to hundred degrees in Cincinnati today. Uh, yes, yeah, I picked the great great time of the week to have car troubles. So oh, I've been shoot. having to like deal with batteries, and it's been like you know one hundred and twenty five degrees outside, and it has been the abs- I'm, I'm having the time of my life, if you can't tell, in dealing <laughs> with car troubles because there's no better time to do it because. And even I was talking about my this with my dad earlier. It's like there is no like your battery only dies when it is a hundred degrees <laughs> or three degrees. Like it's never like last week where it was you know seventy five and sunny. No, and I get it that weather has an impact on that and so on. But it's just like can, can we just one time have car troubles when it's seventy out? Like to yeah, where it's, it's not that big law, of a deal. Man, the worst thing. What what what's the, what's Murphy's law? Like the worst thing can happen. Something. Yeah, the worst thing always happens, I guess. Something I like know, that. It could happen. We're getting you know off topic, I- though, already to start off with, is we want to welcome everyone into Jungle Juice as we are streaming today on a couple of different locations. We have the Jungle Juice podcast YouTube. We have the Jungle Juice Facebook. And then our good buddy Josh Hiles over at Houday Nation today, WDN Today. We're also streaming on there. So no matter how you're watching, we thank you for tuning in to the first edition or first edition across all of those platforms. It's the second episode of the show. And if you're doing it, you know, let us know where you're watching from. You got any topics or comments for us. But today, Mick, our topic is all about the Bengals offense. And we're going to dive into each position group. We're going to do, you know, starting quarterback, you know, is is there a, you know, is is Reed Sinnott going to come in there and take the job from Joe Burrow? We got to talk about that, you know, uh, offensive line, wide receivers, tight end, all of that. But first off, before we get into the specifics on the offense, we do kind of want to start with, is, is it a down note is the right way to describe it, that earlier today we found out that Ken Anderson will not be making the Hall of Fame. Yes, at least into this year, as they did the senior committee, and I think he was one of about 20 finalists, and then the senior committee votes, and they take three, and they send it then to the official Hall of Fame committee, and the Hall of Fame committee there then votes on those three. Now, almost always those three then are exactly they're in. It's just more of a formality that they have to get officially inducted, but that's how Ken Riley got in last year. But I don't. what does Ken Anderson even need to do now at this point? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Just keep on slinging them bush lights and keep on living life. I mean, he's a Bengals legend. It's Keystone. It's Keystone. I think he's Shoot, a Keystone guy. Bush. Yeah, it is Keystone. Yeah, that was I, uh, misinformation on my part. Uh, but yeah, just keep it won't slinging be the first the time beer. that we do that on this podcast. <laughs> keep slinging the beer. Keep living life, man. He's a. Uh, I mean, I think he's a Hall of Famer in my books. Um, yeah, I, MVP season made it to a Super Bowl, uh, four-time Pro Bowler. Uh, I think he should definitely get. A, a, see, I, yeah, I, I could, I could see the reasoning. Like, if he didn't get in, like, what is it? Like, first ten years after. Uh, it's something like that. Then you, but I mean, he won an MVP, like that, yeah. and played in a Super Bowl. That to me is like those are a couple of things that not a lot of quarterbacks can say. It, it's kind of, and I and I hate it that really a lot of it has to do with just this. Like if, if Ken Anderson's stats were on and he was a Pittsburgh Steeler, he'd have been in the Hall of Fame twenty five years ago. And that's a shame. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a that's a good point. Now, I wonder if some of it has to do with like 
you know, us not, you know, the Bengals not doing a ring of honor or some type of hall of fame ceremony. Like, you know, they, they, they were a little late to the party on that. And, uh, I wonder if that has something to do with it. I do think the Bengal gyms, uh, jungle to the hall definitely helps, uh, helps with the mm-hmm. hall of fame cases for everybody. Without question. Yeah, no. And, 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 but it's shout out to Bengal Jim for all of the work that he's been doing. And I know, I mean, Ken Riley, his son, when he was given the speech, Gave and and it's well deserved. Like you know, he's done great work in trying to get these guys the recognition because it's not like we are saying this and these are just us being fans and talking about you know like oh he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame you know duh, duh, duh. you know like me I'm all in on Jeremy Johnson like is Jeremy Johnson actually a Hall of Famer No is he a, a Hall of Famer in my book Absolutely number one Jeremy Johnson fan here but I think that you know Ken Anderson is a Hall of Famer. His stats line up. They stack up with that. Yeah, I think there's multiple guys in the Bengals franchise that should be Hall of Famers. You know, I think I've told you about, you know, my feelings about Chad. I think he should have been in by now for sure. Uh, You know, and I I think I talked to you about this. If you stack up Chad Johnson's resume and Calvin Johnson's resume, they are almost the exact same. Uh, It's the same thing with Michael Irvin. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Just, just Michael Irvin has <laughs> has has a Super Bowl ring. Yeah, and well, it's funny because Calvin Johnson also played for the Lions. Like, I mean, <clears throat> so I'm not sure what the uh, case against Chad is there, but uh, well, I mean, I I don't I have no doubt that he'll get in at some point, and definitely whenever the senior vote comes up, you know. You think Chad will get in one day? Oh, hundred percent. I don't I don't see Chad not getting in at some point. Uh, in his lifetime or at some point in general. I really hope you're right when it comes to that because he deserves it statistically with that. But we wanted to make sure that we started started the show in, in talking about that because it is important and it's something that uh, we'll have to look at over these next coming months too because Willie Anderson's case will continue as he's into that next round. He's a semifinalist. We'll be pushing for Willie. Uh, very well deserved. One of the best right tackles of that era and helped revitalize the Bengals you know, in that stretch, he was one of the key cogs into into bring you know the Marvin Lewis era in those early years. Willie was one of the main reasons that the Bengals had so much success through that, and he deserves a lot of the credit because of that. I really want to see him get that gold jacket, and we're going to be vouching for him for sure on this podcast over these next couple of months to get him that vote. For sure, for sure. Willie was a mainstay at offensive tackle for how many years? 12, 13, maybe eleven. I can't remember. Yeah, over yeah, ten yeah, years. The- all pro for a good chunk of those years. Uh, and, yeah, and that big, man deserves to be in for sure. And, and I think that the stat goes along is, is that he went up against all of those Hall of Fame pass rushers and allowed one sack. Yeah, I, I think maybe Michael Strahan got him, I think was the only one of those Hall of Fame pass rushers that were able to get past him and get in. And it's just like, if you ask, I mean, listen to some of those videos that I know Bengal Jim has put together of from Michael Strahan saying like, this dude's legit. Like, this is a guy who is who is very well deserving of that. And I can't wait to see him get his day in Canton. Uh, and hopefully it comes very soon because it is very well deserved. And uh, I, I look forward to that. But for a topic of the week, we've got a lot to dive into, so we'll we'll keep on moving on as breaking into this Bengals offense. And what we're going to do is we're just going to go position by position, and we've you know got it. Some of these positions are set in stone. You know, there, there aren't going to be any changes. Some of them, you know, some roster battles that we're going to talk about, and some of them it's just 
basically questions. And we start off with first of the quarterback position, and we'll just have to do our obligated contract talk with Joe Burrow. And there's really been a whole lot of nothing. Yeah, the uh, you know it's you know no question at all. Both sides are keeping it very close to the chest. Uh, you know, I I do err on the side of no news is good news. So I I don't think there's any you know um, any ill will on either part in the negotiations. I just think. Uh, I, I think personally, I think Joe's probably just focusing on his rehab process. And I don't know if he's really looking to, um, I don't know, go, go into a deep dive in the negotiations yet or, or, or whatever. I imagine they've been negotiating for, you know, the past eight months or whatever, however long it's been, not eight months, but five months. Uh, but yeah, I'm hoping it happens before the season. Um, but you know, as I said last week, I, I'm starting to err on the side that this might be a 2024 offseason issue. The more it goes along, though, and I'm worried is not the right word because I'm not necessarily worried. It, this this deal is going to get done. I, you know, it, it's going to happen whenever it does. But it is a little bit like, okay, like come on, like we need to get some semblance of some news here. And I give them props because they have kept it very close to the chest. And it could be one of these things that it is done. And the team's just, you know, not saying anything. They're waiting for the right time to do it. Maybe maybe it'll be right before they run out there against the Browns. He'll rip it off and be like, this calf was fake the entire time. I've been ready to roll. And here we come as it's like, you know, uh, what is it? The Undertaker fl- flinging open the the casket. And, yeah. oh, yeah, I've signed, I've signed an extension, too. We're ready to roll and take down the AFC North again. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's best case scenario right there. It's great timing. Uh, you know, I, I think it's kind of a crapshoot when it happens. I, I have no question that it will happen. It's just, you know, it's a matter of timing issue. I don't know if he's waiting until 2024. You get the uh, updated cap numbers for, uh, I think we said it goes, you know, we, I think you get the 2020. You get the 2020. In like March, yeah. Yeah, so maybe they're waiting for an updated cap number. Uh, I, I did mention last week, I think this could be a, a potentially market setting contract, you know, because everybody looked at the Justin Herbert contract and he's making what, you know, 52, 53 million a year. And everybody's like, well, Joe will make 55, but I don't know. It could be market setting. He could be making 60, 65, um, you know, so I guess, you know, maybe that's what's holding it up. I don't know, um, but I, I don't have any question that the thing's going to get done. I think the biggest question with the quarterback room goes to the question, and we can just uh, leave it as simple as this, and I think it'll be a question that we'll have to keep on asking is, Mick, I, and I, in fact, I put it in the YouTube. If you're watching with us on the Jungle Juice Podcast YouTube channel, I put a poll question on there, and it says, you know, who will be the Bengals' backup quarterback against Cleveland? Now, we're saying that let's let's put it in the case that Joe Burrow is healthy and stark. So if not, who would be the starting quarterback in Cleveland? And I'll just ask you this question, Mick. Is it going to be Trevor Simeon, Jake Browning, or somebody else? Wait, are you saying if it's not Joe Burrow? So I'm saying, you know, so I'm saying I asked it is who is going to be the backup quarterback this year. But I'm saying that that is if in, you know, the backup quarterback against Cleveland, but you can't say, oh, it's going to be somebody else because the true backup quarterback is going to be starting because Burroughs hurt that day. So what yeah. I'm saying is it who is going to be the backup quarterback this year for the Cincinnati Bengals? Yeah. So I, I mean, my personal, uh, 
my pick, I, I'm going to go with Jake Browning. Um, I think he has essentially won the backup gig. Um, he looks uh, a lot more comfortable back there than, than Trevor did uh, the past couple weeks. He's got a lot of mobility uh, in the pocket. He can make plays out of structure. Kind of reminds me a lot of Jeff Driscoll. And, uh, you know, my point with the quarterback position um, is at the end of the day, neither quarterback's winning many games if they're thrust into action, you know, for an extended period of time. So I think the question at that point is, you know, who's the more entertaining guy to watch? And, you know, I think it's no question that Jake Browning is more entertaining. He can make more plays. He had a really ill-advised pass, though, last week against the Falcons. That was a, uh, you know, where he tried he tried to do too much, and he could have easily gotten a few yards on a scramble. I couldn't remember what down it was. Maybe he was just trying to, I don't well, know, I, make something out of nothing. Um, I do know that Paul Daner Jr. in The Athletic wrote, uh, it was, I think it was over the weekend, earlier this week, I, I read the post, and he made an interesting interesting name that, that dropped up, and it's not one that I'm – because, I mean, if we're being honest, you saying Jake Browning, it's not like you are saying that with, like, 100% confidence that, yes, Jake Browning is a, is a backup quarterback in this league. You're just saying it's pretty much he, – he sucks the least out of these two, correct, in saying <laughs> that? Yeah, um, out of these two. We haven't seen Reed uh, – what's it? What's Stinnett. Stinnett play? Uh, I don't I'm think I sent it. I think I, the XFL legend. Yes, uh, I'm surprised we haven't really seen him get any action. You know, he is going to play. Zach Taylor did say in his press conference earlier this week that he is going to play on Saturday against the Commanders, okay. probably late in the game. But here's the wild card that Paul Daner brought up: is who is the Bengals' backup quarterback for these last couple of years? Brandon Allen. Where is Brandon Allen right now? Do you remember which team he went to? San Fran. What does San Francisco have a lot of? Quarterbacks. So who means that he's probably going to be on the chopping is he, block? Is he insinuating that Sam Darnold might come to Cincinnati and be Joe's backup quarterback? He's insinuating that Brandon Allen might be able to come oh, back. Oh, that Brandon Allen may come back? Because here's the thing. Well, Listen, is Brandon Allen good? No. Like, you know, but would you feel better about Brandon Allen than Jake Browning? So, again, I love I love these questions because it's like, <laughs> would you rather hang by your toenails for a week or hang by your hair for a week? So from a pure entertainment standpoint, no, because I think Jake Browning can make some, you know, just crazy out of structure plays that Brandon Allen can't make. Now, somebody did post in the Houday Nation chat or Houday Nation group, uh, and we'll go over the post at some point in our post of the week section, but... uh Pretty much, he you know he said the the point of the backup QB is to sit in the film with, room with with Joe, go through the film, uh, go through strategy, uh, you know, pretty much uh, you know, help be a second set of eyes with NFL defenses, and I think that's where Brandon Allen was uh, was you know him crucial he, to Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow trusted him. Yeah. So, and, and that's my question is, is how much of this will be Zach Taylor going to Joe Burrow and saying, who do you want as your backup? I think that that could be a, definitely a possibility. Uh, I think Joe definitely probably has a say in this. Uh, and, and and that might be another argument for Simeon, too, because it's not like Simeon, 
uh, is just making ill-advised passes or anything like that. Simeon just doesn't have an arm. Uh, he just underthrows everything. But if you're looking at his targets, I mean, you know, I think a lot of them are decent reads, single coverage for the most part. Uh, he just, you know, doesn't have the arm talent that, you know, neither does Jake Browning either. Yeah, because, I mean, if they did, guess what they wouldn't be? They wouldn't be in a backup quarterback battle right now. They'd be potentially competing in one of these teams to start at the quarterback position. And that's where, like, the Brandon Allen point was one that made me go, hmm. Now, I don't know if Brandon Allen, he obviously left for a reason. Now, I don't know if that reason was, you know, the Bengals saying, Brandon, thank you very much for these last couple of seasons. We'll, uh, good job. Um, good luck. Like, get on out of here. Or was that him thinking that he could get a better situation somewhere else? But if you were that way, why would you go to San Francisco where they have a lot of quarterbacks? And that's what kind of makes me wonder if the Bengals might have said, hey, Brandon, uh, you need to go somewhere else now. So here's the thing with San Fran, and I don't know. I thought I saw something about Trey Lance is that the, the Niners are actively shopping him right now. So I think the reason why I don't think Brandon, Brandon Allen is essentially leaving is two or two, one. Uh, you know, given San Fran's uh, history, the quarterback position injury-wise, th- those guys are going to definitely keep three quarterbacks on the roster. And if you have Trey Lance and Brock Purdy, and you're, you know, and I think, you know, Trey Lance has the talent, Brock Purdy has the, uh, you know, I guess more of a resume at this point for sure. I think you're going to actively shop one of those guys. So I think one of, I, and I, I don't see. Kyle Shanahan parting ways with Brock Purdy. Um, I think Trey Lance is probably the odd man out in that situation, and that he, you know, some team could potentially trade for him for the value that he could bring to some other NFL uh, franchise. And that franchise is not the Cincinnati Bengals. No, no, it's not. It's uh, maybe Tampa Bay, maybe uh, who's quarterback needy right now? Yeah, see, that's the thing. Yeah, but I'm trying to replace or fill the void of Kyler until he comes back. You know, would a team like Minnesota go for him that, you know, mm-hmm. has Kirk Cousins, but contract coming up? I I, I don't know. It's it's conversations to have. And, and I, I think the biggest thing is, is that nobody feels confident in the backup quarterback. But I think you could easily say that about just about every team in the NFL that you don't feel very confident in the backup quarterback position. You should. I mean, he's a backup. Yes. For a reason. I mean, unless if so, I, I was telling somebody about this earlier. Like it's, it's kind of like you know, the better your starting quarterback is, I think the worse your backup quarterback should be. So, you know, because you you know you you want to foster competitions with those mid to low tier quarterbacks out there. You know, that way you can maybe find a, you know, a better option out there, but. You have a quarterback like Joe Burrow or Patrick Mahomes or or, or Herbert. You, you don't see these guys having like robust backup QBs just ready to go. Like, well, yeah, because most of the ba- best backup quarterbacks think they're a starter. Yeah, and they want to go to a place that they compete and be a starter. Because listen, you know, it's like Andy Dalton. Is Andy Dalton one of the best backup quarterbacks in the league right now? I mean, maybe you could make that argument. Probably. He doesn't want to come and sit under Joe Burrow. Like, why would no, he do there's, that? There's no benefit to doing that. I mean, we're looking at Andy Dalton here, and not to get too much off topic here, but 
you know, Andy Dalton's fully embraced like that mentor role as a uh, as a backup, you know, fringe starter for a couple weeks, and then you let the rookie take over. Um, yeah, there, you know, Andy Dalton wouldn't serve a purpose in Cincinnati, you know, with Joe, you know, with Joe Burrow under center. No, with, with no question about that. Moving on here to the next position group, the running back position, and we'll start at the top of that with Joe Mixon. And the first first question on Joe Mixon, and then we're going to talk about what happened in the last week with Joe Mixon, just because I, I, I have some stuff to get off my chest about that. And Mick, I'm just gonna I'm gonna leave it to you very broadly. Is this the last year of Joe Mixon in Cincinnati? No question. I agree. This will be the last year of Joe Mixon in Cincinnati. And uh, personally, as a fan, I, you know, I'm very grateful for what Joe's given to this franchise. And, you know, he's, he's done nothing but embrace the brand. He's, uh, you know, been a great locker room guy. And, you know, he got so much flack coming out of college uh, for that incident that happened. Uh, and he's just done nothing but try to prove himself. And, um, but yeah, this whole media situation is kind of rough. Yeah, and that's that's we we can go there right now because you know we'll we'll take a step back here, and I'll fully admit that you know in my day to day job I work in the media. You know, I get it, small town Kentucky. It is not covering as a beat reporter for a high level sports team, but I work in the media. So when I hear comments about people not wanting to talk to the media because of quote unquote unfair treatment or whatever the whatever the hell it was that he was talking about, it kind of bugs me. It kind of bugs me because that it's just all of the anti-media stuff. We're not going to get you. Do not want me on that soapbox because we've got a lot more to talk about than getting me on that. But when I read, or I guess it was what Sunday night, Monday night, something like that, earlier this week, when Joe Mixon came out saying that he's not going to talk to was it four reporters, James Rapine from Sports Illustrated, you had Ben Baby from ESPN, uh, Kelsey Conway from the Inquirer, and Jay Morrison from Fo- Pro Football Network, and he pretty much said due to quote unquote like unfair reporting or so, something like that for him and and I'm just kind of like okay they covered his arrest which guess what that happens to be their job and they gave the facts and so on and then on the other end I know James Rapine said that he thinks it's it's also that that he was upset that he was covering and bringing up points that he deserved to have his contract restructured and potentially be, even be cut from the team also valid points yeah i mean honestly if this is the case of the cincinnati beat writers joe mixon should probably especially regarding the contract issue and in the restructuring joe mixon should just not be talking to any national reporters this season because i think the national consensus was that joe mixon was a cut candidate going in to the 2023 season um you know, it's just kind of a shame. A shame for everybody but PDJ. It sounds like PDJ is just going to be uh, Joe Mixon's number one liaison to the media or something like that. I mean, um, but yeah, I mean, you, you have Rapine, who, you know, I, I've grown up listening to that, you know, I, I, I respect the hell out of. And, you know, Ben Baby's been covering the Bengals for a while. Kelsey Conway, the same way. It's, uh, you know, and it's Jay Morrison. Jay Morrison. Oh, yeah, Jay. Can't, can't you forget about Jay. Listen, and that's the thing. It's like everybody loves Jay. Like, what, what, what's wrong with him? But I think that, that to me is my issue. Is is it's like it seems like part of his problem 
was that they were saying that he needed to be cut or needed to have his contract restructured. And let's be real. He was vastly overpaid last year for yeah. what he turned out to do. And and yeah. here's my other thing. You don't like it? Play better. Yeah, I don't know. I uh, you know I know not a lot of people are big fans of, of grading on the PFF scale, but I mean he's still ranked as a you know, top fifteen running back. I know he's getting paid like a what number? Where's he at on the pay scale? Probably top five. Like I mean, and and that's that's what I'm just like is is Joe Mixon has never been a true top tier running back. If we're just being one hundred percent honest, he's never been a top tier running back. Has he been a second tier? Potentially, yeah. I think an argument could be made there. I was, I, I, I can't wait for you know fifteen, twenty years from now, and I, I, I really hope I see people making the same arguments for Joe Mixon that they're making for Corey Dillon right now. Uh, different, different subject are, for a different day. Are, so, are, are you going to get on your Corey Dillon soapbox? <laughs> Potentially, yeah. So, Joe Mixon, <laughs> believe it or not, and this is where I don't think he's overpaid. If he he ranked fourteenth out of running backs on PFF last year in terms of overall grading. And right now he is 12th or 13th uh, is that, highest is that average pay per year. And post-restructuring? Post-contract? Oh, yeah, okay, never mind. I forgot that. Because was he that. was going to make about $12 million this Okay, year. so that would put him as a top five running back. Yeah, and, and, and he is not a top five running back. No, and nor, so, did, nor has he played like a top five running back. No, Um you know, I guess you could make the argument, though, that he's been running behind, you know, pretty bad offensive lines for the past five, six years and 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 whatnot. But, yeah, I mean, he hasn't been a top five running back. Um, you know, and I totally forgot about the restructuring in terms of uh, the actual numbers. Uh, but, yeah, he, that would make that would have made him a top five paid running back. And uh, I don't and know. I, and that's just kind of where I'm like, and, and I'm with you, this will be the last year that we see Joe Mixon and Bengal stripes. Now, some of that could go with, uh, you know, the development of, you know, Chris Evans, as he continued to develop, um, Chase Brown, as he continued to develop, Travion Williams, because I think that the hope is, is that Chase Brown is the next Joe Mixon, as far as, you know, filling that void next year. But, and I get it, it's preseason. Chase Brown, I don't, he, disappointment's not the right word. Non-factor? Would you I say? think anybody re- running behind the backup offensive line, um, and, and that's a good question. Is 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 that the reason that he has really been? I don't even know what the word is to describe how it's been so far through the preseason for Chase Brown. See, I, so he had a really bad yards per carry um, against the Falcons. I think it was under. I think both running backs were under two yards per carry, if I remember correctly. And uh, I don't know because it, it seems like. So you never really saw Chase Brown rip a run, but you saw him hit the hole hard. Uh, you saw him, uh, you know, being a very north and south type of runner. And really, any time that would bring his, uh, it would have brought his yards per carry down. You got Jackson Kirkland just freaking whipping on guys 24-7. And you, next thing you know, it's a five-yard tackle per loss. And I don't know if any running back could have really gotten out of yeah, and that's a good point because I think that can kind of lead us into the next question here of that third down back, I guess the Samaj P. Ryan role is one that is on this team. There's no question about that. Who is going to fill the void of Samaj P. Ryan? Because if we're being honest, 
and I don't really want this to sound like it's just me crapping on Joe Mixon this entire podcast because I don't want Joe Mixon to put me on this media list. Uh, we're not going to be allowed to have him on the podcast, and it's episode number two, Mick. Um, is He's not a third down back. Like He doesn't need to be in there all three plays. No. Is is it Chris Evans? Is it Travion Williams? Or will Chase Brown come out? So I'm, I'm, this is a very... I'm very torn on the situation because Chase Brown does fill the P Ryan role from a rushing perspective. I think, I think I see a lot of similarities in his rushing style, uh, but you know, we haven't really seen Chase Brown as a pass blocker. And I feel like that's what you need. You need the best, you know, pass blocking running back back there potentially on third down plays. And I think that's where, it could be Evans or Williams. Both of them graded actually fairly well in the pass blocking department, given that they both had very limited snap share last year. Uh, but both of them did, you know, grade fairly well in the high seventies, low eighties in pass blocking. So I think it's probably one of those two. If I had to give the edge just based off of what I've seen on the two preseason games, I'm going to give the edge to Chris Evans early on. Uh, but you know, maybe Chase Brown does develop his pass blocking a little bit and he does take that role because I think from a rushing perspective, I think Chase Brown is ahead of both of those guys. And see, that's a little bit misleading too because Travion Williams hasn't played in the preseason because he had the yeah. injury. Now, is he going to play on, on Saturday? That's a good question. And I think he can easily, because I think Travion Williams coming into camp was the favorite to be that third down running back. And... Now, with that injury, and that's just how it works, is he probably opened up that competition for Chris Evans. Now, I think there is still some things with Chris Evans that is, is do you really trust him as a running back? See, that's where that's where his uh, that's where I'm not too uh, confident. Uh, now, now, Chris Evans, if I'm looking at grades on now, I mean, his rushing grade is also still pretty decent. So is Travion's. Uh, so I, I think you could trust really any of those three guys. Uh, I think it just you know comes down to who the coaching staff wants, obviously. I, and I don't know. I would say, you know, it's probably between Evans and Williams just early on, at least. And I think if you're asking me to make my prediction as far as who will start here in two and a half weeks in that game against Cleveland Browns, I'm leaning towards Travion Williams just because I think that there's more trust there. And I think this coaching staff values trust a lot. Yeah. No, they so that's where I'm leaning back for a fifth year for a reason. Yeah. That's... Yes. I, I, I completely agree with that. We'll shift gears here. Go a little wider for the wide receivers. Uh, what do you think? You know, Jamar Chase, T Higgins, they're going to make the team. What do you think? Like, I don't know. It's a very uh, up in the air kind of thing going on with that. Yeah, but, did, uh, you, did you know that Jamar Chase had some drop issues at sometimes? You know, maybe, <laughs> maybe he will. But I think, you know, wide receiver four has been kind of a question mark as to who would be kind of that first wide receiver off the bench or the guy, if they want to go four wide, who, who would it go to? And I think that the guy has stepped up and has really solidified himself. And in my eyes, that's Trent Irwin. Yeah. Uh, Trent Irwin obviously has the most experience out of all the uh, backup wide receivers on the team. Uh, he came in and filled a, uh, and filled uh, Jamar's role admirably in those four weeks. Uh, you know, and I think you need a guy like that potentially ready to come fresh off the bench. Now that's not to say there isn't, uh, you know, 
big potential for Charlie Jones or Andre Yoshivash to uh, to take that wide receiver four role at some point during the season. But if if we're talking right now, week one, one of those receivers go down. I mean, Trent Irwin is more than likely that guy. And I think that there's trust in yeah. him for that. And I think probably Yoshivas and Charlie Jones are pretty much on the same playing field for that. Uh, yeah. As far as behind him, and because uh, I think Yoshivash is has been good, you know he's had he's had his moments, but I think Charlie Jones has proven more against better talent for what he did in college, and I think that that will mean something. I mean, listen, he played the Big Ten, like mm-hmm. that. That's there's a little bit of a difference between going up against Big Ten cornerbacks and going up against you know Ivy League cornerbacks. Now, now it might be because of the fact, though, and not not to talk down on Charlie Jones and all this is purely for my entertainment, but it might've been because he had the goat Aiden O'Connell thrown to him all year <laughs> last year. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, he's, he's, a, I'm excited for Charlie Jones. That was a pick. I really liked. Mm-hmm. I really was excited when they got him and I was really excited when they got Yoshibosh too. Uh, just cause the RAS score for him was absolutely off the chest. Now we're mentioning all these wide receivers, but there's one wide receiver who somehow keeps he keeps sticking around because Darren <laughs> Simmons, you know, special teams coordinator, loves him some Stanley Morgan. He does. It, I think and, the whole uh, – oh, sorry to cut you off. There. No, I was going to say, you know, he's Stanley Morgan. Like, is, is he going to make the team as a seventh wide receiver, or will he be a practice squad guy that they can bring up on specific weeks that they know they might need it? So uh, the Bengals usually keep wide re- seven wide receivers each year, and Stanley Morgan will be that number seven wide receiver. He is – Highly valued on special teams by Darren Simmons and highly valued in the run blocking game by Zach Taylor. Um, so I think I think that the coaching staff does have a level of trust with Stanley Morgan. Um, and yeah, he's always seems to be that wide receiver number seven every year or maybe six or five or six. I don't know. But yes, I, I think Stanley Morgan does make the team. The team does carry wide seven wide receivers this year. See, it wouldn't shock me if they try to throw him onto the practice squad and, and and pull him up for specific weeks because here's the thing about Stanley Morgan is he brings you nothing in the receiving game. No. Nothing. And in that realm, it's almost like you should almost classify him as a tight end in that realm as far as in that room of sorts. I know he's not a tight end, and I'm not trying to say that he is, but as far as, I mean, he brings you nothing. From a receiving perspective, yes. From a run blocking perspective, no. Oh, yeah. He does bring he does bring yeah, and, some value, and I won't disagree with that at all. See, I don't think they'll stash him on the practice squad because I think as soon as they do that, Bill Belichick's going to snatch him up. That's his next Matt Slater right there, potentially. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, th- I think it'll be interesting with Stan- with Stanley Morgan. That'll be a decision that it'll come down to because I mean, it might be a decision between do you want Stanley Morgan. Or do you want Michael Thomas, the safety? Both are special teams guys. Mike Thomas was a special teams captain last year. You know, are you keeping five safeties or seven wide receivers? Those are so, some of those discussions that'll come down to it. And and we'll talk about the defense next week in depth. But it's interesting. Yeah. Um, so, you know, not to not to preview the defense too much. I do think they're going to keep both of those guys. Um, Honestly, there's going to be an odd man out on the in the safety in the safety room. They typically carry four safeties a year. 
it's going to be that battle between Tyson Henderson and, and Michael Thomas, I think. And uh, I don't know. I kind of, you know, and not to not to put any shame to Nick Scott. I'm kind of regretting the Nick Scott signing just because I don't want to really let either of those guys go. Tyson Anderson has shown a lot of potential athletically. Uh, he's, you know, he looks like, you know, a man amongst boys against the Packers last, you know, two weeks ago. Um, and I just think he's got so much potential. And then Michael Thomas has been that, you know, you talk about the trust factor. He's been a, a very trusted player. Um, on this team for a few years now and uh, especially in the special teams game. So I think, I don't think they carry five safeties. I do think they carry four wide receivers. Um, and yeah, that's uh, that, I think that's going to be the bigger question. I, I don't think we're going to see the Bengals only carry six wide receivers this year, especially when they have had no track record of only keeping six. It'll be interesting, and it'll just be some of those decisions that we'll have to watch as it goes along. When we move towards the offensive line, though, I mean, your starters there are set. Orlando Brown Jr., Cordell Volson, you know, uh, Ted Karras, Alex Kappa, and Jonah Williams. Done. It's set. That's who's starting, barring an injury, against Cleveland week one. Then yep. it, it's it's those it's that next level that is is real interesting because you've got some guys that are. Uh, a little controversial, maybe a guy by the name of uh, Jackson. Is it is it Carmen? Carmen is he, is he a little uh, is he a now, little controversial? Let's give Jackson some credit here. Um, out of all the offensive linemen on the team right now, he is not the worst Jackson an offensive lineman. So, uh, kudos to Jackson Carmen for not being the worst Jackson on the offensive line. That title goes to Jackson Kirkland. My God, that guy looked awful, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think that the big roster spot competition, especially when Lyle Collins comes off the PUP list, is going to be, are the Bengals going to keep Jackson Carmen or are they going to keep Hakeem Adeniji? And I'm going to give, unfortunately, I can't believe I'm saying this, uh, I'm giving the edge to Hakeem Adeniji. I, I think I've seen enough of Jackson Carmen to, uh, to, to effectively give up on him. Here will be the interesting thing with Jackson Carmen is, is he a Billy Price? Where they can trade him for somebody, maybe a role of Sherman, and and it'll get something out of it. And will he turn into you know B.J. Hill? Probably not. But can you get something for him? Uh, one of the interesting things that stood out to me though in the offensive line was your center for the first half of the game against the Falcons, Max Sharping. Because that has been a worry, and I think we might have even talked about this last week, is, you know, if Ted Karras goes down, Trey Hill? Mm, like, <laughs> oof. And, I mean, if it's Max Sharping, though, I, I mean, I don't feel great, but I sure feel a lot better than Trey Hill. Yeah, um, I, that was a big surprise to see uh, Max Sharping taking uh, reps at the center position. Now, I do think, I mean, Sharping definitely makes the team. Uh, I do think Trey Hill also makes the team this year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you, you talked last week about, you know, well, the Bengals grabbed a few guys that got waived from teams last year. Could they be looking for a center out of um, out of those guys, you know, that get waived? Is there is there a potential, you know, value backup center that you can find uh, – in that market whenever that market um, comes to fruition. And 
I I'm starting to lean towards that may be the best case scenario for uh, the backup center uh, gig. Yeah, and, and I don't know. I think that like Cordell Volson and OTAs took some snaps at center, but I don't know that you really want to do that because then you need a left guard. And who, who's going to play left guard? Are you going to put Max Sharping there? Like, does that it, is that making you feel that much better? And listen, it, I hope Ted Karras doesn't get hurt. I think he he might be the most important position on that offensive line. Um, I think an, a strong argument can be made that he is the most important there, as, un, uh, at least until Lyle Collins comes back. I think your tackles are important, but if Lyle Collins comes back and you get an injury to one of those tackles, you can slide Collins into that position. But I think that Karras is really important, and they need something to happen because – what happens if they get into the playoffs again and the same thing happens as last year where they're trying to just find anybody potentially that can block somebody? And then, oh, hello, there's Chris Jones. Yeah. Maybe, if he actually decides he wants to play this year. Yeah, no, that is that is a, a big worry to have. And I think the Bengals largely address that other than the center position in the offseason. I mean, they did bring in Cody Ford, which I do think will be a good depth piece, uh, either as a backup tackle or guard. I think that I think he's going to be a backup guard, though. Um, but a guy that can play tackle. Yes. Like, if you need him to play tackle, he can play tackle. Offensive and line. I think that that's really big for this team is that as a whole, they got a lot of versatile guys. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, if we're being honest, Jackson Carmen has played guard, so he can play tackle or guard. You know, uh, Smith has played tackle and guard. Adenaji has played tackle and guard. Um, Sharping has played guard and center. So you, you've got a lot of versatility, which is really big for this team because you don't know when those injuries are going to come. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I know you, you are not a, uh, Deontay Smith guy at all. No. Um, you know, I know you were saying earlier that he's, you know, there's been reports that he's had a good camp, but I do think he's the odd man out, uh, until Lyle Collins comes back, and then it's going to be also Adenogy and Carmen, or and or Car- not and or Adenogy or Carmen that's going to be uh, off of this team. Um, I do have a bold take though on this offensive line uh, to to shift the uh, focus a little bit more to the starters, and I think one of the big um, one of the big storylines early on is how Jonah Williams and Orlando Brown are going to be at the tackle positions because they are essentially playing their opposite tackle role. You've largely have seen Orlando Brown on the right side uh, throughout his NFL career, and you've seen Jonah Williams only play at left tackle. I'm really interested to see how that situation turns out because they don't have a cakewalk in week one against the Browns. You have two very good You've got one elite edge rusher and one very good edge rusher in Miles Garrett and Zadarius Smith uh, going up against this, you know, this tackle tandem where, you know, there is a lot of nuance involved with what they are both doing. Yeah, and and that'll obviously that that's a question. And I mean, you look, welcome to the AFC North. Yeah, like that that is the AFC North. I mean, heck, the Ravens just signed Clowney. Uh, Steelers, we know what they have, so it's just yeah. I mean, Clowney's on the downside of his career, but still, but still, I mean, those are uh, those are dudes. Like, regardless, Clowney can still wreck somebody, and it'll be interesting. Now, I I do have, I guess I'll ask you this question: Is at the end of the season, 
Let's talk ceiling and floor for this offensive line. Uh, whether we go PFF grade or, or however we want to do it, rankings. Can this be a top 10 offensive line? I think it could be a fringe top 10 offensive line. I'm still not sold that it's going to be like a, I don't think it's going to be well within the top 10, like at a top five, you know. What does it need to be for Burrow to cook, I guess? is Because, I mean, we've seen, I guess, let me. Hell, it could be the worst offensive line in the league and Burrow still cooks. We've seen that two years ago. And and let me let me uh, clarify that with, with following it up and saying, like, what, what would be the, the, like, I guess for Burrow to have an elite season and for this offense to live up to its full potential, that offensive line needs to be in what range, do you think? 15? I would, yeah, I would say middle of the pack. I mean, middle of the pack or even like middle to like 15 to 20, I think is fine, uh, which I think is probably where the offensive line was last year. And, you know, what do you know? These guys did rattle off, you know, how many wins in a row? 10 straight, one to 10. 10 straight wins in a row at the end of the season. They really gelled together towards the end and they weren't it's not like they were an elite offensive line but you know yeah i think you just need um you know mid to you know maybe worse than average offensive line play for joe to cook essentially one of the position groups that i i skipped as we were going through is we can't forget about the tight ends and and with that that the tight end room is is interesting in the realm of Irv Smith. The one thing that we know about him is EBS Viking fans. What are they going to say if you mention Irv Smith? Injury prone. So that to me is my question, Mick, is how confident are you in those other wide, those other tight ends? You know, guys like Drew Sample, Mitchell Wilcox. Uh, how confident are you in them if something happens to Irv Smith? So I'm, I'm confident. Um, I don't know if confidence is the best way to put it. I, the person I am most confident in, or the tight end I'm most confident in, is is obviously Drew Sample. Um, and actually, I did have a point on here. I think him being back could be huge. You know, I know, uh, in terms of a run blocking percentage, I think you could be seeing some two tight end sets, especially in run fits, uh, where. You know, he could be aiding a tackle early on, uh, especially week one against those two edge rushers in Cleveland. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, in terms of confidence level on true true, true sample, Devin Asiasi or Mitchell Wilcox or whoever. Tanner Hudson, right? Tanner Hudson. Hey, he graded pretty well in one of them preseason games. But uh, it doesn't sound like there's much confidence. Not a whole lot of confidence, but also... But, but how much confidence is there in Herb Smith? I think from an athletic standpoint, there's a good amount of confidence in Herb Smith. I mean, his issue is just staying healthy. And, you know, I think Schubert said in one of the posts, or maybe in a comment earlier this week, like, you know, Herb Smith's ACL is a ticking time bomb or something like that. But... uh yeah, I would say from a, from an athletic standpoint, I, I am fairly confident in Irv Smith. I think Joe Burrow will, will find a way to unlock him. But, you know, we could also see Joe Burrow finding a way to unlock Drew Sample if Irv Smith uh, does eventually go down. 
And I really think that you could see tight end be one of those rooms too that is added in waiver wires. Yeah. Like, is yeah, there sure. one of those guys that gets dropped? And I could see the Bengals reaching out and grabbing somebody, you know, maybe hoping that there's a better Devin Asiasi out there. Yeah, a Devin Asiasi that can actually catch the ball. Yeah, like, and, and I mean, then if we're being honest, most of those guys aren't going to be getting released. So, and if they are, they're not going to be at the waiver wire order that the Bengals are going to be picking from. Because, you know, yeah. the Bengals are going to be towards the bottom of, of that portion again for finishing with as good of a record as they had. I think with Irv Smith is, Irv Smith needs to be a average to below average tight end for this Bengals offense to reach its potential. Which is what they've what they've really had the past two years, and they've gotten decent production out of they got decent production out of Yuzame and Hurst, and you know landed you know those guys you know landed pretty big paydays in the following offseason with other teams. So I I agree with you. I think you you don't need a top five or even a top ten tight end. You need somebody that can come in do his job, um, and. Yeah, and then let Joe Burrow find you. We appreciate those that have tuned in here today, too, as well on Facebook and YouTube. Make sure if you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button so you get notified and follow us on Jungle Juice podcast page. And then also follow the WDN Today page and comment if you got any questions or comments for us. If you want to call us an idiot, feel free. Because, <laughs> um, listen, there will be things that we will say probably at least three times a show that will be idiotic to some of you please let us know call us out we will uh we're okay we're big boys we have thick skin we can we can listen to you or maybe you just want to tell us that we suck and that's fine too you, you, you can do that or if you like the show or if you have anything that you want us to discuss maybe you are the number one thad moss fan in the world and you want to bring him back um then uh go for it you know speak your mind as jared's locking in jared appreciate you taking the time to tune in who day who day jared um, kicking game. Evan McPherson is Evan McPherson. There we go. Topic over. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, what, like, uh, what, what else is there to say? I mean, there's there's no controversy. I have never been more confident in a kicker in a long time. I don't know that I've ever been more confident in a kicker in my lifetime as a Bengals fan. I don't think I've been confident in a kicker since you know the only other co- you know kicker I. Shane Graham. Shane Graham, yeah. Except uh, against the Jets in the playoffs. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> it was good otherwise. Didn't have much of a leg. Did Definitely did not have the uh, bring back the short King Moss. <laughs> That's our solution at tight end. Is that Ad Moss? Mod. Oh, gosh. Hubert, whenever you eventually <laughs> listen to us. Uh, well, see, just- he, he appreciated the Thad Moss mention on last last week's podcast. I got a text message from him saying that he, he very much appreciated getting the getting the Thad Moss uh, shout out. But Number I guess one the- Thad Moss stand right there. <laughs> yes, he's going to have the the uh, the jersey um, very soon. I'm surprised if he doesn't already. I think with the kicking game is we can talk about the other side of the kicking game and kick return. Mick, mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you, and this is not going to be a bold prediction by any means, but it is the Browns game. You know, coin toss is up. Bengals win the toss, and they say, screw it. We want the ball. Who's going back to receive that kick? I, I think it's going to be Charlie Jones. I, I think that's essentially, you know, they drafted him for that backup slot role or eventually that starting slot role, uh, you know, once Tyler Boyd uh, 
eventually leaves, which I think is probably inevitable after this season. But yeah, I think that they uh, drafted him for his prowess in the return game. I think that um, you got to keep an eye to Travion Williams. He wasn't bad. No, he was a pretty good kick returner last year. Um, I, I, Chris Evans, I think, was was okay. No, no, no. I think Chris um, Evans was booty cheeks at receiver. Sorry for yeah. Sorry, sorry, Chris Evans, if you ever see this. I thought you were but, apologizing uh, for like an explicit remark there of calling him booty cheeks. I was like, no, you're fine to say that. I mean, we're, yeah, we're allowed to say whatever we want. Fair enough. Uh, but um, yeah, I, 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 Chris Evans, I, I just have a lot of memories of him not even making it to the 15 yard line after taking the ball out. So I think with Chris Evans, he's, he's almost too confident in himself. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. That's just, but, but let's be real. Chris Evans. It's not, that's, that, that's not, could it be Derek. It could be Darius Phillips so, or Brandon Tate. Like, let's be real. Can we we could Brandon Wilson. Can we give him a, a roster spot? Is See, Brandon it? Wilson was elite. And then the He's ACL great. happened. And then he uh, he got it. But I think I, if you had me make my prediction today, I would probably lean towards Travion Williams as the kick returner. And I think punt returner would be Charlie Jones. So I'm gonna, Jared mentioned in the chat here. I'm guessing he's referring to Stanley Morgan. Uh, I don't know that I know see about Stanley that. Stanley Morgan is is a is a blocking guy. He, I mean, he'll be on the field. I think if he makes the team, he'll definitely be on the field. Um, but uh, Charlie Jones is is one hundred percent a candidate. And if he gets back there, it would not shock me. Yeah, not in the least. Maybe yeah. that's where we see Jackson Carmen. They put him back there. He's got to provide value somewhere, Sam. He's got. Yeah. He's got. He, he did good. He did good in that one playoff game. We'll give J- and yes, where like it was snowing. Before, he is not the worst Jackson in the offensive line room right now. Uh, so kudos to Jackson Carmen for both of those things. Yeah, Car- J- Jared. We are one hundred percent. Jared writes and says Carmen needs <laughs> to go. Yeah, I think I think most Bengals fans. He he to me is the one guy that is going to be the most interesting. You know, in about a week when they go through these these final cuts, he will be. I think the one. I don't think if he gets cut that it will be a surprise by any means, but I think he's the one that I think will will raise the most eyebrows. Yeah, unless barring some major cut that we don't like. And I can't, I can't think because I really can't think of anybody else on the roster that would make me go, "Oh, that could get cut." Can you? I mean, it's the other tackle. It's Hakeem Adeniji. I think both of them are. But on I don't the team think he. Now. I don't think Adeniji makes me go. Hmm? He kind like of, if he I, gets cut, honestly, he'd make me do that more than Jackson Carmen, just because Hakeem has proved to be the more reliable guy out of those two. Which says um, a lot about Jackson Carmen. <laughs> unfortunately, it does. Um, you know, but part of me kind of wonders with Jackson Carmen, not to make any excuses for the guy because I, I'm I'm almost I, I am out of them. Uh, but you know, this guy came into the league playing primarily the left tackle position, and I don't know. Like we never really gave him much of a shot there. He kind of just bounced him around a guard. You threw him in a right tackle. You never got him at a solidified spot to try and foster and grow. And I, I wonder if I don't want to say the word fail, but I wonder if the Bengals coaching staff didn't utilize Jackson Carmen in the best way that they, they could have in the past three years. 
But here's the, here's what I would say is just to play a little devil's advocate is, or does that prove that he's not an NFL player that he can't be more flexible in playing those different positions? It could, it could. I and mean, I'm not, a, and I don't know the answer to that. Like, it might shock you, Mick, but I'm not necessarily built like an offensive lineman, so I'm not an expert in offensive line play. Um, I know I look dead on at left tackle, uh, but it. Uh, so I don't know. It's just I think Carmen is going to be the one guy that I when when they release the cut list, he'll be the first name I look for. Yeah, I think he'll he'll be the first name I look for too. Uh, I I think that pretty much every roster spot is essentially set, other than you know there's a handful here and there, but the big one, the big the big battle is going to be those two guys, and I think you're going to see both of those guys still on the roster until Lyle Collins comes off the PUP list, and then there's a conversation to be had. I do agree there. Uh, as we wrap up here for this, uh, just in general, preseason game number three is, is eh, like, I know we'll both, I actually get to watch this one, which I'm, I'm thrilled about because the past two, I, I have had other commitments that I've been able to watch live. Is there anything you're looking for specifically? Not really. I think we're going to be seeing a lot of uh, a lot of third and fourth stringers. Uh, you know, you're going to see. Uh, I don't think you're going to see any. Uh, Can all even second stringers in for the most you, part. You you mentioned earlier, and if you missed it, you have to go back and listen. Is you mentioned that you think Jake Browning is the leader in the backup quarterback position? Can Trevor Simeon play himself into being the leader on Saturday? He could, and you know, it's. I don't even know if it's a play thing. I think it's just a matter of what this coaching staff prefers. Do they prefer the guy that's going to be more electric on the field if Joe Burrow ever did go down? Or are they going to want the guy who is in the film room with Joe Burrow breaking down everything uh, and trying to um, and trying to you know help Joe Burrow with his process? And I think that's where it's truly a toss-up battle. Because I think the biggest thing is is that, I mean, and there is, and I'd be shocked if this happens, but do they keep both? No. And go three quarterbacks? No. Um, I, I'd be surprised. They, they, they've they shown no track record of keeping three quarterbacks on the roster. Uh, it's been I, a long time. Like, you'd have yeah. to go back to the Jordan Palmer days where they were keeping three, three quarterbacks yeah. back in that stretch. J.T. O'Sullivan. And those guys back in that era. Yeah. Um, gosh, now I want to start naming random Bengals backups for you, under you Carson Palmer. JT O'Sullivan, actually. I can't remember what he's got a really good podcast. That. He does. He, he's got a very good, like, film breakdown podcast yeah. or, or YouTube channel or whatever. And uh, it, yeah, it was great. I watched the CJ Stroud breakdown where, like, you know, CJ Stroud was, uh, was pretty bad against the Jets and uh, really interesting takes just from, from JT there. So. And it just shows you on how much these guys know. Like it, it like talent oh, yeah. doesn't always. It's like I love listening. In fact, it came out that the Monday Night Football game, Bengals Rams, it'll be um, Chris Fowler, Lewis Riddick, and Dan Orlovsky will be on the call for that because there's two Monday Night games on that. So I guess they technically get Monday Night Team B. But Orlovsky, I know, is kind of. Um, uh, I, I like him though because when he starts talking ball like and actually breaking down he's fascinating to listen to now he does get a little bit hot takey at times 
That's kind of ESPN though. But that's the ESPN but, MO, I think. Is yeah, the, but is when the he stage. starts just and, and that's what and the same thing with Lewis Riddick. Like I just I hope Chris Fowler with that does as his play by play guy in some instances just shuts up and lets those guys talk. Yeah, especially Lewis Riddick. I, I'm a huge Lewis Riddick guy. Yeah. yeah. Especially because you got Lewis Riddick defensive guy, Orlovsky offensive guy. You kind of do that. That's why I liked watching the Manning cast so much for, for the Monday night football is and I hope that comes back because I just like listening to Peyton and Eli. I don't even care much much about the guests that they bring in. Is I just like it when when they just talk about the game because those guys have forgotten more about football than we'll ever know. Yeah, hundred percent. But I think I think it'll be interesting to watch the Commanders game coming up on on a Saturday. Now, for those watching that aren't aware, Mick and I are both admins over at the Hootay Nation. Facebook group. Make sure that you, if you haven't already, join the group as we're going to have some great stuff planned throughout the year. Uh, we've that is the group that was originally we had about 175,000 members, and then about a year ago, almost to the date, uh, Facebook <laughs> shut us down because somebody tried to live stream the Rams game in the group, so they shut us down. We've been rebuilding, and I think we're at a little over 75,000 right now. So if you were in the original. Uh, make sure you join this one as well. It's run by the same admin team. We do pretty much the same thing and so on. But Mick, you had the idea that we're going to s- start doing our post of the week from that group. Since we're both the admins, we both pretty much see every post that comes through. Um, Mick, are you picking one of the fake jerseys that is being sold by someone? Is that the no, group you're going no, with? No, I tried to do something either funny or, or very thought-provoking, and I actually brought up this guy's point in the podcast re- regarding the backup quarterback role. So, uh, David Barnett, uh, thank you for being my inspiration for part of this podcast. Uh, your post was very much appreciated, and uh, I'll read through it real quick here. It says, y'all, unless your backup is going to eventually be your starter, a backup QB's most important job is to work with the starter. They watch tape together, they learn from each other, and so on. That's why we kept picking Allen over better quarterbacks. Burrow wanted him because of the insight he offered. Chill out about their ability to play. It doesn't matter who our backup is. If Burrow goes down, the season is over. 100% agree, by the way. A backup is only going to be handing it off or tossing it behind the line. Okay, I don't know about that last sentence, but, I mean, backup's probably going to do more than that. But, yeah, essentially, it doesn't matter who the backup is. Their their role is to assist Joe with his process. And uh, I, I thought it was a very well-worded post. Yeah, and, and, and I agree completely. It's just like the if, – if Burrow is out multiple weeks – or, you know, knock on wood out for the season. Like, that's the last thing that we need. Bengals are screwed. Yeah. Like, and then, there's no other way. But you could easily say if Patrick Mahomes is out multiple weeks, you know, out for the season, Chiefs are screwed. You could say that at just about every single team in the league, that if an elite quarterback is out, Chargers, you know, if Herbert's out, Eagles, if Hurts is out. Like, it is, there is a reason why these guys are the best of the best in the game. I mean, look at the Ravens. They struggled without Lamar. And they struggled. did. Struggled. And and uh, it's just like that's that's the biggest worry is that you gotta figure out. For my Who post today, Oh, sorry. Oh no, you're fine. For my post of the day is is it's it's not necessarily a specific one, but it's more of just what I love seeing is I always like seeing 
Um, and really, I guess this is more at the Packers game is like the pictures of the kids of parents taking like their kid to their first ever game. Yeah. And like seeing the smiles of the fa- on the faces as they're sitting there, because I mean, we both remember, if not our first game, one of the first times that we were in the stadium, you get to feel the energy and so on, even if it's preseason or what it, it's special. And I always like seeing that the smile on the kids faces or them getting their first Bengals jersey or something, it, it, it I, I like that. That's that's one of my favorite things that I always like seeing in the group. Yeah. So, uh, just to propose the question to you, what what was your first game uh, that you went to? So I, I was trying to think about this, and I'm pretty sure that it was either in first or second grade. It was a preseason game. They hosted the Colts. And in fact, I have a program from that day because sidebar on that for those watching or listening is growing up, Mick knows this, my next door neighbor was Jeremy Johnson who played for the Cincinnati Bengals. He was the fullback. So he gave us tickets to like the final preseason game and we went and then he also gave us like backstage passes. I don't even know if it's still a thing or not, but we got to like go down outside the locker room. So when the players left to go get in their cars, they would walk past us and sign autographs. Now, since this was the last game, nobody that that meant anything played in the game. So we got all of these, like the big guys that would come by and sign autographs for all of us. So I have a program that I wish I would have done a better job keeping like care, taking care of because it has been it is just because clearly when I was seven or eight years old, I just flipped through it 100 million times. So it's not in the greatest condition. Um, and I think I've got it here. And if not, it's at, it's at my parents' house. But that was probably the first Bengals game that I ever went to because I remember getting all the autographs from all of the different players and probably first grade, maybe second grade, but it was the final preseason game against the Colts that year. Okay, nice. Do you remember your first one then? Yeah, so uh, first season I started following and you know, it was a good time to start following Bengals, I guess. wasn't first grade. It was the 2003 uh season where you know they they climbed out of the basement went eight and eight marvin lewis's first year it was a 34 to 27 win against the texans i don't remember too much of it other than i loved being there in fact now that i'm saying this i did go to a game prior i guess that's the first game i remember because i went to i think it was a preseason game against the lions and maybe like oh two okay um that in fact i i think i was looking at the i found the ticket stub uh, a couple of weeks ago when I was organizing in here and found it. And I should maybe, maybe if I'm, if I go looking for it this weekend, I can find it. Uh, but that, that's probably the actual first game, but the, the Colts game is the first one I actually have memory from. Yeah. So going back to your Colts game, and this is a question. I don't know if you're going to remember. Do you remember? I think I remember you doing this. You write a personal narrative in elementary school about that. Probably. How I do you remember you that? How do you remember I, I've got that? just oh, random goodness. stuff swirling how through my like, brain. Yeah, I think probably I did, but how in the, how in the hell do you remember that? I don't know. I, I don't know, but I do remember this story a little bit. And Probably, yes, because I think it was I, – I yes. I, I Now that you're saying this, <laughs> it is probably true that I did. And I, it sounds familiar, so that would have been either first or second grade, something like that. I don't, I don't remember. I could probably Google it right now and figure out. I guess it would have been like what oh four maybe two thousand four season two thousand three season or something. Um, yeah. I guess I well, they play the Colts every preseason. Yes, but only one of them would have been at home. So I can, I can just Google yeah. right now as I'm looking to see if I can't find the twenty two thousand four Cincinnati Bengals season. 
And if my internet will work, we can see if we can't figure out. And I can probably, you know, that's the best part about the internet right now is, is that, oh, are you not even going to show me the preseason? <laughs> well, maybe not. No, it, it, it was fun while it lasted, I guess, right? I don't know. It might show up on a Wikipedia, honestly. That's what I was doing. I was looking on the on the good old Wikipedia because that's the world's greatest. And this is you know great podcasting here by us is that we're talking about the 2004 preseason, like what everybody wants to listen to and hear to hear conversations about it. But we're two weeks away from actually getting going. What else are you going to talk about? Uh, we will say though that next week our show is going to be entirely focused on the defense. We're going to be breaking down you know each position the questions that surround it. And and I think that it, weirdly enough, and I don't know if weirdly enough is the right way to describe it, but there's almost less questions about the defense. It's pretty set in stone. Yeah. Um, I really think the only questions are is how many they keep at each position. Uh, are they going to go safety heavy? Are they going to, I, you know, how many linebackers they're going to have because they don't have a lot of depth after five, linebackers i don't see anybody after you know uh the five guys i'll mention next week making making the team so or, you know it depends the question is how many guys are there going to go at each position and i think that'll that'll be an interesting thing thing to see shake out we'll definitely recap to the commanders game and have our hot takes from that and talk about that That'll be coming up. We'll be every Wednesday at 8 o'clock eastern time make sure you follow us on all of our social media channels and we'll also post this to podcast channels we're working on getting to apple apple's been a little difficult but we're on pretty much all of the other ones for you to be able to go back and listen to the podcast as well subscribe do that i want to give a shout out again to josh isles for bringing us on at wdn today as uh, we're happy to be on there and make sure you follow that page follow us on jungle juice all, all of the different ways that we have for you to, to join us as well yeah yeah that's uh please please hit the subscribe button wherever you choose to get your media from and a huge shout out to Josh. Thank you so much for, for allowing us to be on your page. And we're always open to for suggestions, segment ideas, and so on of what we can potentially bring you. And because we want this podcast to be for the fans, by the fans, and so on, because we are season ticket holders. So we're, we're going to be living vicariously through you. And as I know I said last week, if it needs to be a therapy session, we'll have a therapy session. For sure. Mick, it's been a pleasure as always. We'll uh, we'll be back here again Wednesday of next week at 8 o'clock Eastern for another edition of Jungle Juice. Thanks for watching, guys.